0: This is the internet channel for the study of Hegel, and here is your host, Robert Vane. Yeah, are we ready for the um, Grundlinien der Philosophie des Rechts from 1820? That's the big one. That's are the classes that Hegel taught on uh, this uh, subject, and that is the real text that we are going to deal with. Now, I'm not going to read everything. Um, This is the Knox translation, and he says here in paragraph 4, the basis of right is, in general, and Knox says, mind. Uh, And um, I'm not very comfortable with that. The word Geist in... In, uh, in, uh, in German does not mean the human intellect now of course I know it doesn't mean hard liquor and it doesn't mean a ghost so the word spirit has its objections also but let's now agree um, to translate geist with spirit because we can use mind for the word intellect or the word verstand uh, which is the finite the finite reason. So I don't like this word mind. and for those of you who are English speakers you you must tell me or maybe I don't know, um, but doesn't mind the word mind has have this um, more or less psychological um, sphere and it's all in the mind It's just just your, your imaginations, our individual, Um, cognitive faculties are um, uh, referred to with the word mind. Well, that is certainly not what he's saying here. The basis of right is, in general, the human mind. No, he's not saying that. He's saying, actually, and let's just say that before we we find that again in in Hegel's text. This is very important. Um, Freedom and liberty and the whole of society are already there when we come into the world. No one of us is able to start from scratch and devise the objective world in which we live. We find ourselves within that world. So we, are, we might be able to recognize that world as something that very deeply belongs to us and is reasonable so that we can understand it, but we're not able to be the origin of that world. Um, Something has gone before us, and that goes not just for me, that goes for everyone in this society. You're listening to Robert Vane's Hegel Um, podcast. That might mean that something like freedom or liberty is actually um, the thing that is going on, the thing that has created this modern society. Uh, has been contributed to by everyone as a person, as an individual, but what is going on is much more than the sum of all the actions and opinions of uh, the people involved. It is as if the idea of freedom causes our society to grow in freedom, does something to us when we recognize and understand the concept, uh, as if it is a power in itself. The history of modern society is not the history of someone constructing on the basis of a theory a society, it's a more or less organic development. Whenever people tried to construct a society on the basis of a theory, something went awfully wrong you see that in china you see that in communist russia um, there there was no organic development Um, apart from maybe the american revolution because then of course in the constitution um, the principles of the french revolution were drawn out and uh, put into a constitution And that seemed to be something like uh, a constructed society on the basis of of liberty. Hegel doesn't acknowledge that at all. But of course he knows only the United States from afar, and only in its uh, very early stage. Um, So he doesn't have much to say about uh, the United States. But maybe you can say that is a society that was constructed on the principle of freedom. I will talk about that some, some uh, time later, but uh, let's say the basis of right is, in general, spirit. So this more than individual power that works through history, constructs societies, um, uses um, the human intellect to do that, maybe use those intellects to form the American society, but that is the basis of all these institutions that uh, exist in the United States, or in England, or in Holland. Its precise place and point of origin is the will. So the will here is um, an element of the mind, it's an element of the spirit. The will is not a separate psychological faculty besides our human rationality and understanding. The will is part and parcel of our spiritual being. The will is free, what does he mean by that? So that freedom is both the substance of right and its goal. And So the will is basically a free will, it can choose, it makes um, a choice for one or the other and the will is free insofar as it can make that choice, it can select one object and reject something else. Now that makes freedom the substance of right. The actually the, the, the inner contents of all our institutions and its goal. So all these institutions have as a goal to achieve and to protect and preserve freedom. While the system of right is the realm of freedom made actual. Um, that is one of the very important um, points of view, paragraph 485 of the encyclopedia um, made pretty clear uh, that um, freedom wants to be realized, freedom wants to have an effective reality or actuality, and that actuality is the system of right. Uh, so the whole interconnected um, interconnectedness of rights and institutions in the social world. Or in other words, in other words, the world of mind brought forth out of itself like a second nature. Uh, so social, um, social uh, environment is like a second nature. Okay, we have started. So one to four, the foundation of right is freedom. In considering the freedom of the will, this is the tzusatz, uh, to paragraph four. In considering the freedom of the will, we may recall the old method of cognition. So now Hegel is going to uh, say something about the wrong way to approach this. The procedure was to presuppose the idea of the will. So we simply say uh, there is something like the freedom of the will. There is this faculty of the will. And to attempt to establish a definition of the will by deriving it from that idea. So what do we mean with the idea of will? And then we define exactly what will is simply by describing the idea that we already have from it. Then the so-called proof of the will's freedom was extracted, in the manner of the old empirical psychology, from the various feelings and phenomena of the ordinary consciousness, such as remorse, guilt and the like, by maintaining that they were to be explained only in the light of a will that was free. So he's describing an older type of philosophy that would simply start with a common idea of the will, uh, derived from that uh, definition in the own preferred terminology of the philosopher, and then the proof of the freedom had to be uh, given against determinism, against uh, all kinds of um, uh, positions that deny the freedom of the will, uh, by looking at psychological phenomena remorse and guilt why do we feel guilt when a monkey kills another monkey the idea is that the monkey doesn't feel any guilt because he wasn't free to do so or not to do so but he was driven by his instincts so a being that is driven by instinct can feel no guilt only a free being can feel guilt if you're free to steal or not to steal and if taking someone something that belongs to another is theft in your eyes and you can feel remorse when you do so. But if it is merely instinctive behavior, then you can feel no remorse whatsoever. So, a phenomenon of remorse or guilt um, ultimately refers to the reality of freedom. So, he's not saying that it was merely a stupid theory. Uh, he will, um, even though his remarks here are a bit strident and cynical um, is saying that this is not the right way to go about it. You shouldn't try and prove the freedom of the will by using psychology. But it is more convenient, of course, to arrive at the same point by taking the shortcut of supposing that freedom is given as a fact of consciousness and that we must simply believe in it. And now he is ironic or maybe even sarcastic uh, to some people who say, what can you say about freedom <laughs> you can't say anything about freedom you simply have to presuppose it in everything what you say so you have to believe in freedom whatever whatever it is okay so this old empirical psychology that is what we should be uh, get rid of why doesn't it move on oh dear it gets stuck. No, there it is. Now paragraph 5 to 9, the formal elements of the will. I think I can be a bit quicker here because I wrote so much about it on the Facebook page. But Let's just divide up these um, elements of the will in a couple of um, uh, formal elements, couple of parts. I'm going to take a sip of my coffee and that gives you the opportunity to, uh, to ask a question if you want. Um we are now into slide number thirteen, so maybe you have a question? Or oh, everything is clear now? Really? Everything clear? You agree with everything I said? That would be that will be something new. Are you still there? you're not sleeping are you just give me a token of uh, being alive you are listening to robert vane's hegel podcast (laughs) thank you thank you no questions um okay moving on the formal elements of the will well first of all the element of pure indeterminacy Now, what does that mean? I can will anything. So every restriction that might be there in reality, every content that I find in nature, I use this awesome example of a cup of coffee in my Facebook uh, note. Um, Very existential uh, for me, of course, I was drinking coffee at the time. Um, But it doesn't matter what you're talking about. You could talk about wanting to free um, the nation or or cure cancer or whatever. There is no restriction, no content that at first presents itself as necessary to the freedom of our will. That's important because this is the opposite of what we will um, ultimately find that freedom has a necessary content, that it finds in itself its own necessary object. Freedom must will itself. Now, Here Hegel says, first of all, in the concept of the will, we have pure indeterminacy. If you say, I want, I do not immediately know what it is you want, why you want it, how you will go about uh, achieving it, or acquiring it, or whatever. Um, I'm not sure, I know for myself and for others that um, this wanting, this volition at at the level of wanting something, uh, will be dictated to me by my needs, my thirst will say I want coffee or I want water, my desire will say I want a beautiful red thing or... My impulse will say I want to kick the ball in that direction or whatever so insofar as my will has an object that object comes from somewhere the um, uh, I seem to be very free in choosing I can choose between one or the other but I'm not so sure that I was truly free in choosing what choice I was going to uh, think about. Um, if I say for instance, I have to choose between a cup of coffee and a cup of tea, but that suggests to me that I already have thirst and that thirst drives me without me having a choice in, in that respect that thirst drives me to make a choice either for coffee or for tea, right? Are you getting this? So there is, on the one hand, this uh, what he calls the dissipation of every restriction in every content. I can will, I can want anything. But yet, in a given situation where I have to choose, or where I find myself wanting this or that, the this or that that I want is not the product of my freedom, it's the product of my desires and impulses. So at the same time that I talk about the pure indeterminate, absolute freedom of the will. I'm also talking about the um, uh, force of my needs, desires, and impulses, um, and the fact that objects in nature, like a cup of coffee, which is, of course, it's it's uh, handmade and uh, etc., but it's still a natural object um, the liquid and everything. Um, that that is simply there, for uh, uh, and, and invites me to want it or not want it. So what is there is actually, that's the final sentence, this is the unrestricted infinity of absolute abstraction or universality, the pure thought of oneself. What do I want when I want something? What What is there substantially? What is there basically? Well, there is this I that wants something, and the something can easily be placed between brackets, that's a variable, that's a variable that is not fully produced by my desire, uh, sorry, produced by my freedom, but actually is presented to me by my needs and desires. So what is freedom? It's the, the fact that in every act of wanting something, I can reflect upon myself and say, well, it's I that I'm doing the wanting. I want this cup of coffee. This cup of coffee is not the cause of my wanting it. So I can return unto myself, abstract from the cup of coffee, and in reflecting upon myself, determine I am doing the wanting. That's the main thing. I, the subject of my volition, am doing the wanting. That's what I can do in every act of um, volition, whether I want a cup of coffee or anything else. You are listening to Robert Vane's Hegel podcast. Freedom is a choice, but it is first and foremost the discovery of an ego that has this power of wanting something. And in actual fact, that's the only thing that is there. On the other hand, when, it, when is this ego present and concrete? Only when it has an object. If I'm sitting here, just um, staring out of the window, and I'm not wanting anything, I do not feel my um, power of volition somewhere in my body or in my mind. There's no, uh, there's no reason to to uh, experience my will uh, unless I want something. So, but now I'm, I'm, I'm talking ahead of time, because Hegel will say that later on. Let's, let's move on a little bit. This is the choosing. At the same time, the ego is also the transition from undifferentiated indeterminacy, that is the I that is doing the wanting, to the differentiation, determination, and positing of a determinacy as a content and object. I want the cup of coffee. So there is the I that is doing the wanting, but the eye is only doing the wanting if it has a concrete content and object. So when is this I wanting anything when it's wanting something? When is this free will willing something when is willing this something? No I'm not saying that correctly. When is this um, free will willing anything question mark when it wills, Something, But when, it is, when is it there? Only when it has an object. Now further, this content may either be given by nature, like the cup of coffee or the apple, or engendered by the concept of spirit. Concept of spirit. He means to say, because that is what Hegel says, um, and he doesn't say it in his translation, There is a spiritual perception or um, imagination. And let's say I I want to put the apple on the um, cupboard because I want to protect it from from others who might find it and eat it. I want to keep it for myself for tomorrow. That's a very complicated act of volition or a series of acts of volition. Now that's a concept of the spirit. That's a spiritual idea. I want to keep this for myself and to um, have the apple out of the out of the way, um, so that others can't find it, etc. Through so this positing of itself as something determinate, because that is what happens when I want the cup of coffee. This I that is doing the wanting is being determinate. It's becoming determinate. It's not just an I wanting anything. It's an I wanting this particular something. The will is now itself determinate. It's the cup of coffee willing free will. It's totally engrossed into this object. When you want something, you're not aware of a difference between the act of wanting and the thing that you want. It's the same way with perception. You're not aware of the fact that you're looking at a tree uh, and at the same time aware of the fact that you are looking at something. Looking at a tree is this one act in which you as a subject that can look at something and the tree that is something that can be looked at are one uh, are both combined into one um, activity. And the same with the free will. I want this cup of coffee. That means my free will is determined by it. I'm not usually aware of the difference between the act of wanting it and the thing that I want. When do I become aware of that? When I want it and I can't get it. I become aware of the fact that I want a cup of coffee when it's not there, when the coffee is already gone, or I can't get hot water, or there is no cup to be found, or in my case there is no sugar in that, because then I don't like it. Um, So you see what I mean? Um, that's the that's the moment that you get this idea that there is a difference between the act of wanting it and um, the thing uh, the thing itself. This content may either be given by nature, as the apple is, or engendered by the concept by a consent of the mind. Let me just take a look at paragraph six to see exactly what Hegel was saying in his German um, to see how this translation goes. Dieser Inhalt sei nun weiter als durch die Natur gegeben oder aus den Begriffen des Geistes erzeugt. So engendered by the concept of the mind. um, It doesn't mean that the concept of spirit is the basis of a content of the will. He is saying that the the, uh, object of the will is something That is only thought of it's a let's say a future situation that you want to achieve it's the apple on the cupboard it's not there yet but you want it to be there and that is something that is not perceived um, with your eyes it's not uh, felt with your body it's imagined by your spirit you are listening to Robert Vane's Hegel podcast